Welcome to AASHTO Resource Q&A. We're taking time to discuss construction materials, testing, and inspection with people in the know. From exploring testing problems and solutions to laboratory best practices and quality management, we're covering topics important to you. Now, here's our host, Brian Johnson. Welcome to Q&A, this is Brian Johnson. Today we have another one of those FAQ episodes of Q&A. Uh, Kim Swanson here, our producer, is going to ask me a question and I'm gonna do my best to answer it. And where I don't make any sense, she will ask me follow-up questions. So hopefully hope we can share some information can. with you. So we get a lot of questions about mobile laboratories. And so, Brian, how does the ASHO accreditation program define a mobile laboratory? Well, a mobile laboratory is one that is not in a fixed site. Uh, mobile labs can be used for project, uh, project laboratories. They can move from one project to another uh, and they can maintain a full accreditation just like a, uh, a facility, a fixed facility laboratory uh, would maintain it. There is often confusion when people come into the industry or into our accreditation program about whether everything they do out of that main laboratory is considered to be part of their accreditation. And what what they generally are, are wondering with that is those project labs, are they just under the umbrella of the main facility? And the, and the answer is there is no umbrella in the ASHTO accreditation program, except for your field technicians and the work that they do. Uh, but once you have a project site where you have a laboratory set up, that is not considered to be part of your accreditation unless it maintains its own accreditation. So uh, with a mobile lab, you can get an accreditation though. You know, you'd, you'd have an account, We'd have your name, you know, your laboratory's name listed with dash mobile laboratory after it so that people know that that's the distinction between your main facility and your mobile lab. Uh, it would get proficiency samples just like a regular lab would. It would receive on-site assessments just like a real laboratory would. And we would expect the personnel uh, that are dedicated to the the laboratory to be separate from the ones that are operating in the main facility. So that if it, we want to have it set up so that your main laboratory is accredited and doing accredited work, and the lab and the the mobile laboratory is able to do accredited work uh, with its personnel. And same goes for equipment. It should have separate equipment. So if we went to a lab and they said, "Hey, we want to get our main lab and the mobile lab accredited." But we only have one compression machine. We only have one uh, shaker. We only have one whatever else it is. Well, that you have to decide which one of those facilities is going to maintain the accreditation for that test. They could both be accredited, but they couldn't both be accredited for all of those tests. Gotcha. So if one lab is only doing the compression then both labs can't be accredited for that. So it's only the mobile laboratory that has that accreditation versus both. Yeah, it, well, they decide which one mm, okay. it would be. So I think in most cases, it would be the the, the main yeah. facility would be the one breaking cylinders. Uh, so they'd have a compression machine and the trailer lab or the mobile lab, they may do the, the fresh concrete tests and, and 
mold the cylinders or beams, but then they would transfer them back to the main laboratory to break them. Now, th this becomes a complication for people, especially if they're doing airport work, mm -hmm. because airport work, FAA requires accreditation to ASTM C1077 uh, for concrete. And C1077 has a requirement that you maintain accreditation, not just for that standard, but for a series of tests. And one of those tests is the test to break cylinders. So the, you can't really, if that's the description I, I just provided, if that is your situation, then that mobile lab is going to have is not going to be able to maintain accreditation for C1077 because they're not breaking their own cylinders there. And that's something that I would I would expect or hope that the laboratory could explain to the FAA representative and try to come to some conclusion of how they're carrying it out in conformance with the FAA requirements. So this got me thinking of what's the difference between like a mobile laboratory and then a temporary laboratory. So if you're temporarily doing a airport job or something like that versus a mobile laboratory, does the ASHO accreditation program make a difference there? That is an excellent question and you know more than you let on initially. <laughs> yeah. uh, th there is a, a process in the procedures manual about recognizing or extending accreditation to temporary site facilities. Uh, so they could be different than a, a mobile lab. Now, the, the temporary site facility is defined as a, it is it is a temporary, you know, it's right in the name, temporary, uh, and it's at a site or a project, and it can only be, well, accreditation can only be extended to that temporary site facility for up to one year, and it, and it has to be for that project. Uh, we have a, a whole process that a laboratory needs to go through to extend it. It's not as simple as saying, hey, we're accredited. We want you to extend it. it, it we, we have the laboratory uh, calibrate, standardize, or check the equipment that's going to be in that temporary site facility. Uh, we validate the certifications that the technicians have if that's something that they need. Uh, you know, if they need C1077 or D3666 accreditation for that site facility, we make sure that there's no duplication or sharing of personnel or equipment. Um, we look at, uh, well, we have a validation process, you know, an objective way to look at it, uh, how they're doing there. Right now, our procedure is for them to test proficiency samples. And they would, so we'd send them some blind proficiency samples to test. We look at their results. And if they're uh, three or better, then they are satisfactory. Now, that is, that's the normal process when we have uh, proficiency samples to ship. But if we ever have a situation where we cannot ship the samples to that laboratory, it could be a situation where, you know, imagine the inventory is depleted because we that can happen at times. Our proficiency sample or extra or blind proficiency samples uh, supply can get depleted. Uh, we have another a backup procedure whereby a laboratory can record videos of the technicians at that project site running the tests, and they'll send those into us, and we'll have a laboratory assessor watch the the videos and make sure that they're being done in, in accordance with the standard test methods and practices. If they are not, they would write nonconformities just like they would for an on-site assessment report. 
they send them over to the quality analyst and the quality mm -hmm. analyst will make sure that the laboratory resolves those issues uh, before we can proceed with extending the accreditation. There are also fees associated with that. I'm not going to get into that right now because those could change in the future, uh, but the process will be what I just described. And that was for temporary facilities. That's correct? temporary. Okay. And one other thing about the temporaries is that they don't get their own accreditation. They don't have a separate proficiency sample enrollment. Uh, they just are testing blind mm -hmm. samples that are submitted to us. And once everything is all set, we, we list the laboratory's extension on the main account of the laboratory. So if that temporary site facility, facility originated from, uh, from one main lab, on that main lab account, you would have an entry that says temporary site facilities. It would show when the extension was granted, when it expires. Uh, there would be a separate certificate that can be downloaded uh, by whoever, you know, the specifier. Mm -hmm. Uh, can review that and make sure that the people who are on there are actually on the job site. Uh, we also have to amend those sometimes when personnel changes mm -hmm. occur, because sometimes people will send their ACE technicians there in the beginning to make sure everything goes smoothly, and then they'll they'll swap them out with some other people, and then the laboratory just has to tell us when those swaps occur and send us the credentials for those people who are now working on it. We'll update the information on the mm -hmm. website so that everybody is uh, consistently viewing the information. Yeah, I think that's an important point too. Just with any laboratory personnel change, it's important for laboratories to communicate with their quality analyst around that, making sure that the right people have the right certifications for that and, and things like that. Yeah, so do you think we answered that question sufficiently at this point? I, th I think we did as a recap, though, because we kind of got sidetracked by the temporary facilities. If we go back to met, uh, the mobile laboratories, if you could briefly go over just like the basic process of a mobile laboratory, like step one, step two, kind of. Okay, thing. so so the mo the big thing that people need to understand is that a mobile laboratory is treated exactly the same as a fixed facility. That, so they'd go through the process of applying for accreditation, mm -hmm. undergoing okay. an on-site assessment, enrolling in proficiency samples. Uh, the only challenge that is, uh, well, uh, I guess a little bit more um, frequent for the mobile laboratories is that when they move, they need to follow up on all of the relocation processes that's that is actually what I was just going to get to. So what happens when they're done with their with uh, project A and they move, you know, even if it's two miles down the road to project B? I mean, that doesn't seem very likely, but in that scenario, well, what... it, it can it can happen. You know, if you're on a big if like like sometimes there's a big beltway project somewhere mm -hmm. that goes around a metropolitan area and maybe not two miles, but maybe 20 miles down yeah. the road, they'll set up again or something like that or maybe more. Um, they would have to go through the relocation process. So we have a relocation form that they'd have to fill out. They'd have to uh, bring in their uh, calibrator to uh, recalibrate the compression machine or standardize it. Um, any other equipment that may be affected by relocation would have to get standardized or calibrated uh, upon placement at the new site. Uh, one issue that, that can happen with these project sites is just making sure that the, the site is level and mm -hmm. and everything is is functioning properly as is expected and mm -hmm. 
the calibration helps us uh, feel confident about that. Plus, I mean, the, typically in a situation like that, the personnel aren't going to change out, but we do want to verify that there haven't been changes in personnel anytime there's a relocation. Yeah, I think that's a it's a great point. So the to recap, the mobile laboratories are treated just like a regular fixed laboratory, with the exception of what they have to do after they relocate. That's correct. Wow, this we had took a lot of time to just say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's why we're doing this, right? Yeah, I think I hope that this has shed some light onto the why behind why it's a little different and kind of made it a little more clear and the difference between the temporary and mobile facilities i think is is was an important distinction so i think i think we got everything covered but if we didn't email us at podcast at astroresource.org and tell us like hey that wasn't clear at all you need to go over this again <laughs> and ask your question yeah. and, and we'll be happy to do it another way to get in touch with us is just give me a call at 240-436-4820 and as always, we've got lots of information on our website and on our Twitter feed. All right. See you next time. Bye.